0: Bienvenidos a otra edición de la podcast, Get the Knack. Soy Jetty Knack, El Pulpo, in Ocean Shores, Washington. Y Dan Diego de la Vega, the man of La Mancha, Dan Chiodi, Salvador Flores Hernandez, otherwise known as my good friend, mi amigo, Sal Flores. How was that, Sal? Was that good? Yeah, actually, pretty, yeah, quite good at all. Yeah, I kind of screwed not up my own name, right? But, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because, uh, I bring up, uh, not everybody uh, knows my my old Spanish nickname of El Pulpo. And for all of you out there, uh, it means the octopus. And uh, I got that nickname because I used to multitask on multiple computers, do multi, multiple things at the same time. So for those of you who do not habla Espanol, i'm jerry knack and this is the get the knack podcast i'm coming to you from ocean shores washington and i'm joined by my very very good friend who i've given that very lengthy nickname and we'll get into why in a second sal flores all the way from tijuana mexico sal welcome to the program
1: thank you thank you Uh, very good to be on it since i've listened to quite a few of your shows and uh and I just told you right uh, when I uh, dialed you up, I enjoyed those with uh, your friend, Chris. And, uh, and I did enjoy that one with your son, Will, especially since he's also into journalism and media sports. But uh, and yeah, and some of the other ones. So, yeah, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. We should have done it a long time ago. Um, so let's um, let's get into how we met. Right. Let's talk about that. You know, and I don't want to get too much into detail about, you know, the, uh, the actual employer itself, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, um, how we met and, mm-hmm. you know, you, uh, were going to school at the university of San Francisco in their uh, sports management master's program. You were working at KMBR, the radio station, and you came over to work at the Oakland Raiders and work, uh, in our multicultural department, working on, uh, uh, Spanish language initiatives for us, including our uh, Raiders in Espanol.com uh, website. And that's how we get to yeah. know each other. And then you came to work for me and mm-hmm. you you uh, we spent a training camp together uh, covering uh, yeah. Raiders training camp up in uh, Napa, California at the, the Marriott. Uh, so that's how we met. But what I wanted to ask you about is... How the hell did you get from Mexico to San Francisco, KMBR, and to the Raiders? How did that all happen?
1: Well, it, it, it has to do with living in the, in the border. Uh, well, actually, just quick correction. It, it, the, the radio station was... K- well, at first it was KGO when I was undergrad. I did an internship there back in 2002 when uh, they were the flagship station for the Niners. Uh, but their sister station is KSFO, so when I came back for the Masters in 07... They were the flagship. They, they, I think they had just gotten the rights to the Raiders to be the flagship uh, or like a year before or, so, or something like that. So I dialed them up again, knowing that the marketing person was the m- former boss from when I was undergrad and, and started doing an internship in 07 with them uh, while they did the post game and pre game show from, well, I remember that first year they did the pre game on site at the stadium. And then the game uh, it jumped around couple, for the next couple of seasons in a restaurant near either, um, Young London Square or, or another one that was really close by this, by the Coliseum and so on. Uh, and then from there, uh, the following season in 08, I got that internship with, uh, Patty and Elena in the multicultural department, uh, uh, initiatives. And, and since we were tied in through the website, because, yeah, I remember we did the relaunch for Raiders in Español with the whole redesign and everything. Well, we had, a, we had a party.
0: We had a big event, yeah. remember? We had, at the, we had uh, art pieces and everything. We had a, a big art gallery in downtown Oakland and, and made a thing out of it. We had the media there and everything else, and that was great. Where did you do your undergrad, though? I probably have never even known or asked you that.
1: Well, initially I started my undergrad down here in TJ. It's called Universidad Iberoamericana. Campus Tijuana, because there's quite a few of those. There's like six of them in in the country. One in Mexico City, Puebla, Torreon, um, Guadalajara. Well actually that one's called Iteso, but they're they're under the umbrella of the Jesuit uh, um, education program in terms of the Jesuit uh, uh, order of, of priests. And uh, and so the University of San Francisco is also a Jesuit uh, school. So we had these, of course, programs for people to go. Um, an exchange, whether we are uh, locally in Mexico to these other cities where there's campus, or internationally, and it was easier to do it with a Jesuit school just because of it, and and since I do love the city of San Francisco and Bay and the Bay Area, I said, well, I'll give it a try. See if we can, I can get that going. So that's what I did during undergrad. So one of the four and a half years, well, it ended up being five because of that exchange. Um, uh, I you know, looked into it. I was able to be there for the fall of 2002 and spring of 2003, and then uh, came back to finish up because I had to finish up at home. And then a few years later, i applied for the master's program because while being there doing undergrad, I realized, oh, there's a master's program in sports management? Like, what? How did I not know this? <laughs> um, and of course, the, you know, because I got into, well, it's called media communications or Ciencias de la Comunicación, um, but basically journalism and, and media uh, down here to be able to cover sporting events and showbiz and you know all that kind of stuff plus there's plenty of other things that you can do in terms of your of, or at least what is called communications uh, but yeah like my main thing was well that way I can go and you know cover sports and and all this fun stuff which I eventually did when I um, when I graduated from undergrad and I did some doing undergrad uh, in terms of not only in San Francisco, but also here locally covering local sports uh, in TJ and also be able to, to do stats for chargers radio in, in Espanol and uh, uh, with uh, uh, guys that had been doing it for, for the longest time. And that actually, you know, they kept doing it until now that they moved to LA. But, um, but yeah, so in a way that was my segue to that. And then of course, you know, uh after graduation uh my dad said well try to get some work try to get some more experience and then you know if that's definitely what you want to do you know then look into it and and if possible we'll figure something out and sure enough uh, uh he did help. well when it came to education my dad was always like okay if it's to get it better i'll see what we can do and i'll give you a hand.'" But make sure that it's what you really want. And yeah, sure enough, uh, I did end up spending another three years up there during the Masters. Uh, and then, yeah, that's how I got into applying for that internship with the, with the Raiders and eventually being handed off to you, which I remember. It was kind of funny, but also at the same time I was like, oh, dear, because it was not <laughs> the same in terms of, oh, in and Elena, because you remember them, And you know this whole thing about Latinos hanging out together and having, like, yeah, our own thing within the organization went up but then but this is a serious reason in terms of you know because this is a whole team and i remember back then you there was also the german and like Chinese, japanese sections and uh and i don't remember what else was there we uh, had
0: tagalog we had chinese we had japanese we had spanish and german so we did six languages if you want to count If you want to count English, but but for Spanish, that was the only one we had this full sister site. It ended up getting scaled scaled back a bit because of uh, the NFL and and their club sites project. But I digress. No, it um, was a very very interesting time. It was a great way for you to get introduced to uh, working for an American sports team, professional team at the top. Right, we're not talking minor leagues here. You're you know doing stuff for big time radio. Uh, mm-hmm. professional teams uh, at the the pinnacle uh, with national football league doesn't get it doesn't get any bigger than that so you're doing stuff for the then san diego chargers the oakland raiders san francisco 49ers you're you're knee deep in it which coming you know from your beginnings in in tijuana um mm-hmm. you know is you know the fact that you even thought to to come up to san francisco and and do these things you know that's that's a credit to you for for stepping out and, and doing that kind of thing you know for us especially people like me where i grew up in um in new york in western new york we didn't have mexicans we had puerto ricans mm-hmm. and you know so that was my only real exposure to to anybody of um latin culture and mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of funny, though. My neighborhood was it was an Italian neighborhood. So when I had the opportunity to take a foreign language in school, I chose Italian over Spanish like an idiot. So (laughs) right. Or else my Spanish would be much more advanced than the six words that I know. Um, But at the same time, I grew up in a very, very diverse neighborhood. So, um, you know. Uh, being exposed to different people, different cultures, we had everybody from uh, you know Vietnamese to Korean to uh, you know Italian and you name it. We we it was like a melting pot in my neighborhood. And mm-hmm. what's interesting that I find about the United States in in the last I don't know however long it is, um, you know as is all these racist assholes have. Um, uh, come out of the woodwork is, you know, being bilingual or multilingual is not a bad thing, right? I, it really bugs me when uh, it doesn't matter what language or where you're from, when when somebody hears somebody speaking a, a different language other than English that people get upset about it. Um, being bilingual or multilingual is actually a sign of high intelligence uh, and, and a really, yeah. really, really good thing. And one of the things that I always appreciated about you was when you wrote in English, you wrote better than a lot of Americans I know. And, you know, the same was the case for our friend, Sebastian Stoltz, right from Germany. And, um, you know, Sebastian was the same way. Um, so that's a credit to you coming from Mexico and, and, and learning all that. I wish that, uh, I could go the other way with it. However, the good thing is the really good thing is I had the opportunity to go to Mexico city twice and I got to hang out with you and uh, Ambrosio Rico and uh, – God, what the hell is his name? I had it.
1: Fernando?
0: Fernando? Yeah. Fernando Arias. Yeah. So yeah, – There you go. Right. So I, I looked at it this way. If I'm going to get out and about, I'm going to hang out mm-hmm. with natives. All right? Well – Yeah. So – The thing that got me was how stupid I was. So we're in Mexico city. I don't even remember the name of the hotel we're staying. And you know, I'm a big James Bond fan and the movie Spectre had come out and Mm -hmm. you you think I would go to the place in Mexico city, which was right next door to my freaking hotel where the opening scene to Spectre was filmed. And it took you to tell me, why didn't you go there? What didn't you visit it? Oh, yeah. You that, remember? Well, yeah, that, yeah,
1: that's well the the place that was in right in front of the hotel it's uh, Chapultepec Park of Bosque de Chapultepec, you know the yep. um, which is kinda like our central park of New York City or Golden Gate Park in San Francisco.
0: What a beautiful um, park, Sal. What a beautiful place.
1: Yeah, and believe me there's plenty of there to see. There's museums and whatnot. But the actual place where they they filmed that opening scene for that movie is in the main square in front of the presidential uh, palace per se. Um, there's and, a
0: museum there they, too, right? I mean, like a big yeah. That,
1: well, there's a the museum and then there's the, the cathedral and there's also the um, the old. you uh, hold them? Well, you know, the permits that they uncovered while they were uh, years back when they started do, uh, digging to mo- to do the, the metro system. That, mm. that actually goes underneath the socala, but, you know, when they started digging in to figure out where to, you know, open up the, the tunnels, they came up with the uh, with um, the old um, uh, Aztec ruins, ruins, there you go, the ruins, um, and uh, and that's it's stuck in between, in a corner between the cathedral and the presidential palace. Uh, and there's also other museums around, also from the colonial period that have withstood the test of time like many places say in europe right now which is one of the sadness about what's happening in ukraine yeah but um but uh and so many other places uh, that had had complex in you know well forever but um but yeah so so that opening scene was right there and and the fan fest and i think that was the second year the the following year was set up in that square because I remember helping uh, to, uh, some of the people running the uh, Raiders uh, productions, uh, that we had to go and, and tape and, uh, and and also, of course, I helped them out with in terms of translating or interpreting uh, stuff between lo- locals and the fans and whatnot. I uh, remember the coach Del Rio's wife uh, made an appearance there because I remember they brought something from their foundation to help out some communities and whatnot. So, so yeah. The but yeah, you you, you have this a lot. I you mean, know, of course you guys were there for for, for, for for like like literally 48 hours. Like I think you landed the first time. I think you landed the day before the game and left right after the game. Like usually, any game. The following year, they some people actually landed there because that's when. Uh, I did spend more time uh, a couple more days beforehand doing all that fanfest stuff, um, like at least a couple days before. And, and, you know, and they had all this bigger stuff going since they realized oh, we, we can make something more out of this uh, annual event that became, you know, having an NFL game down there right. uh, up until all the pandemic, of course. But, um, but I think that the, I don't remember this year, I think they're going back, or yeah, this year they're going back uh, to play in Stadio Seca. So God knows what they'll come up now <laughs> with and in terms of, you know, all the stuff previews to it. Uh, right. Once they settle on, on the actual date, that we're still waiting for the schedule to come out, in, just in general, but then we'll figure out who, when that game is going to be played down there. And, uh, but yeah, it, it was quite an experience and, and quite a lot of stuff to do. I mean, Because, uh, uh, of course, I, I went back to Mexico City in November. The last time I had been there was uh, late, 2019 and it had nothing to do with games or anything just to visit some family uh cousin of mine had a birthday so i went back in november and of course many things have changed in uh, just because of the whole pandemic thing that i know it it has changed everywhere but uh but yeah it was kind of like yeah there's plenty of things to do in this city in terms of Places to go, historical and nature places. Um, we have a couple of volcanoes there that you can go and hike uh, up to a certain point because one of them is active, and and just a whole bunch of museums all over the place. And uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully sometime this year I'll be able to go back and actually spend like a few couple of weeks there just sightseeing all over the place, and also get to know some family history because because uh, yeah, most of my extended families
0: down there. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. So it's kind of funny you mentioned that because now I got to, I got to bring it up, right? Because in the intro, I, I, I started with the, your extended nickname that I gave you a long time ago. And, yeah. and the reason being is I've always known you as Sal or Salvador <laughs> Flores. And yeah. I want to say, I saw your driver's license and it said Salvador Flores Hernandez. And I asked you about it. And I've given you a hard time about it ever since. And, yeah. you know, you explained it to me, but you can explain it to my 12 listeners where in the world this this long name comes from. Because you do go by Sal Flores, but your full name is Sal Flores Hernandez. And I, I call you Don Diego de la Vega and, and all that stuff, uh, who actually is El Zorro. Um, yeah. But, you know, explain that, you know, in a way that makes some kind of sense. Why, you know you have uh, such a a, it's not a long name but multiple it's almost like multiple last names right it's like you know uh, it is why why in the world uh, is that the case
1: well it's it it, actually it's quite simple and of course well when i moved to the tijuana being 10 11 years old and then realizing how you guys use it in the u.s it's kind of like wait hold on but you're missing something and the point is my given name is Salvador, right? But then the, the two last names have to do with both parents. Is the first surname of each parent. So Flores is my dad's last name or first last name because he also has a second last name that has to do with her mother's side of his of family. <laughs>
0: yeah, so simple. <laughs>
1: yeah, but yeah. So, so my, And then Hernandez is from mm. my mother's first surname, or 1st last name as she also has a second one that has to do with my grandmother on her side uh so down here what they do is they to figure out who you are yeah i mean they officially uh, in terms of you know like paperwork and all that kind of stuff is you yeah they put well your your first name uh, if, if you only have one name of course because like my sister has two names you know two given names uh, um, and then, of course, the two last names. So, so, yeah, so it's Salvador, my given name, which is only one, thankfully. Then Flores, who basically represents my dad's side of the family. And then Hernandez, my mother's side of the family in, in that regard. So You know want to tell me again character.
0: how simple that was to get to? <laughs> well, yeah, no, I tried to
1: make a little extended <laughs> version of it in terms of, you know, how, how it comes out on, on, on the family tree. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: a bush. Holy crap! So, oh, so,
1: for example, in your case, uh, from it, what I know in terms of the you know the history that you have shared from your family, uh, it's Jerry, and I know Nack is your dad's last name. Yes, but then I don't remember what's your mother's maiden name in terms of her last name. So that first surname of her will yeah. be added to your right. name.
0: Right? Yeah. So I would be Jerry Nack Kim. Is basically what that <laughs> would work out to. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, No, it's funny because, I mean, if, if you just explain it as, you know, the first last name comes from your dad and the second last name comes from your mom and stop there, it makes sense, right? But then you go into that long explanation about paperwork and birth certificates and you lose me. I don't have enough breadcrumbs to get home. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're listening to the Get the Neck Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, coming to you from Ocean Shores, Washington, and I am joined by Sal Flores. Uh, Sal and I worked together at the the Raiders, and we've been good friends ever since. And one of the yeah. things that, uh, well, you know, it's a tradition on the Get the Neck Podcast to have an adult beverage. So I get a glass of scotch, and I have a, a dark beer known as Irish Death, and that's, um, that's my drink of choice tonight. Sal... Um, you know before before you explain the the beer you're drinking first of all life's too short to drink bad beer second of all you know i have an affinity for mexican beer and you know the other thing is our our former colleague and friend morris bradshaw once taught me how to drink tequila because i never cared for it and never understood it so <clears throat> what i what i found interesting and i also found this to be the case when uh, my good friend uh, my good friends in Kansas City Doug and Amy Anderson went to ireland and brought me back jameson straight from the distillery when you drink the real stuff in the real place it slaps different and drinking real mexican tequila in mexico city and drinking modelo and pacifico and and you know mexican beer in mexico i don't know what it it, i don't know if it's because it's the atmosphere the ambiance or what but i tell you what drinking mexican beer in mexico drinking tequila in mexico slaps different than it does here in the united states and you know so what are you drinking tonight sal
1: i opened up this uh which i had a few from uh, a little bit uh a couple of weeks ago, a reunion I had with friends, and there were some uh, some of them leftovers. It's called Bohemia, and it's a Pilsner uh, clear beer, and it's from um, one of the, our main, biggest brewery companies that is based in Monterrey, Mexico. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so so yeah, I still have a few here in the fridge, and if you will, what better time to drink one of them up than talking to you, since indeed I know that that's usually something that you guys, <laughs> you and your guests do. Terms of drinking something other than, say, water or soda, which <laughs> I was on my way home back from my mother's house just before we dialed up. Um, we are not going to talk house.
0: about your fucking soda addiction, all right? That's that's yeah, a that, that, that's what I'm saying. no. That's uh, a that's conversation for another day. But I will say this: whenever I have the opportunity to get Mexican Coke, Mexican Coca Cola, I get it. So it, you know, because it uses real sugar and not the freaking high fructose corn syrup shit. So, um, so anyway, one of the, one of the greatest experiences of, of my, well, I want to call it a culinary experience and it's so, and it's probably no big deal to somebody who lives there and is familiar with this. but i tell you what, and this is what got me on, on, uh, my two trips to Mexico city. So the first time we're down there with you and Ambrosio and, and, uh, Fernando, and we're like, I want to get some authentic. Mexican food. i I'm, I want tacos, right? I want tacos from the source, and so we end up at uh, El Farolito, which which actually means lantern of all things, and so I think it was was Fernando who led the way, and we run into a mariachi band, and I remember the leader of the mariachi band was trying to put his Mac down with uh, with a, an American tourist. It was pretty funny, uh, but we end up at El. Or, El Farolito and and you know they got uh, Modelo and the tacos of with meat of every variety right we got chorizo you've got uh, carne asada what's that
1: al pastor yeah
0: yeah all of that you know and and some of the best queso ever right hot melted cheese on (laughs) oh my god and what was funny about it was the second trip I led the way to the restaurant i oh, yeah, knew it like, I know <laughs> and <laughs> i didn't <laughs> i didn't get lost did i i found it almost by i mean by memory or by smell i mean jesus and uh i mean there's right there and you know you watch the guy uh cut the meat you know the pork right off of the uh the slab i mean it was talk about it was just a neighborhood taco stand it's like going to freaking burger king or some shit and and I, it was so funny, my, my I came back from Mexico City, I actually gained weight, and my trainer at the time was like, yeah, well, if you didn't go hella taco in Mexico City, you wouldn't have these problems. Um, <laughs> right? But, I mean, it was just the coolest thing. It was open air, right? Remember? And, and yeah. I mean, the food was just, I couldn't tell you how many different types of tacos we had, how much, you know, uh, toppings and meat and, and all of that, chicken had chicken. Banda salsas? Oh, my God. Yeah. And all the different flavors, right? Everything from spicy to not spicy, everything in between. It was just so freaking good. And there was a thing. This cracked me up. In the Southwest, I think it was, or maybe even up into like Colorado, Utah, whatever. They they asked a bunch of people what they thought of Mexican food. And they were all like, "Yeah, we love Mexican food. And they said, "Yeah, well, what about Mexicans? No, we don't like Mexicans. And it turned out those people did 23 and me or ancestry or whatever, found out they had Mexican heritage. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I spent a good part of my life, not liking Mexican food. I didn't know what I was missing. Cause I'm an idiot. Um, but i definitely have an affinity for tacos and especially you know when everybody kept talking about oh let's build the wall let's build the wall we got an immigration problem leave me on the other side of it with the tacos at el farolito i'll be fine right just well, leave me I- over there i can eat those damn tacos all damn day long every day well
1: here's uh, something that you may be, <laughs> be jealous right now because next weekend not this no not tomorrow or sunday the following weekend Uh, which technically is Easter weekend, we're going to have Festival del Taco here at the Cultural Center in
0: Tijuana.
1: Because most recently, the last decade, there's been an update um, uh, of Tijuana being considered the taco capital of Mexico just because we get all these people from many places in be it Mexico or Central America, you know, trying to eventually make it uh, to the U.S., but of course, there are many issues leave them stranded here. Well, they end up making a life here. So we have all these different kinds of, uh, indeed, uh, what you call the melting pot of food from all over. And when you start combining things, yeah, yeah, interesting things come about. But, uh, but I wanted to go back just real quick to something about those trips in terms of, I remember the first trip we did a run oh and okay. you and, no. yeah, yeah 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 i what the But the <laughs> second time we didn't, you didn't go to run so that, that me explain why you ended up getting weight <laughs> but,
0: well uh, no yeah. see okay i was going to get into this in a second right so one of the one of our favorite things to do as as pals is we like to run together right and, yeah. you know, for a while there, I was really, really into it. And, and, but I never really did any great distances. Right. And then you got into it big time. Right. You're doing all these races and stuff. And I remember the first trip to Mexico city, we decided we were going to run to, uh, Chapultepec park. And I could not, <laughs> I, I couldn't go half a mile without stopping because of the damn altitude. I couldn't breathe. And I, you know, but we did the thing we saw the sights it was it was fun it was fine the second time I was in much better shape and and it was a much better run we stopped only because we we took pictures we were stopping by the sights we were you know you were showing me some of the stuff uh, you know in, in downtown uh, yeah, Mexico we, City we,
1: yeah because we took a different route uh, extended route towards uh, Paseo Reforma, where there's, there's that you know the angel column yes I mean, yeah.
0: Uh, yes. and stuff like
1: that so yeah but yeah i remember the first trip you and actually tony king i i don't think he made it oh no like- he
0: quit tony king yeah oh god i'm gonna have to tell him to listen to the show um yeah tony king uh bailed on us mr hockey player freaking he lasted a half a mile yeah. and went back to the hotel
1: <laughs> yeah it was like one kilometer when cause <laughs> in, in, in my phone i have any kilometers sorry <laughs> of course i haven't <laughs> so but, yeah, funny when I realized, like okay is he not Still, like, okay, well, never mind. But then, yeah, like within a couple kilometers or so, you were like, hold on, because I threw around like, quick, uh, oh, 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 yeah, okay, but well, we, never mind. And we, then you, we, you made a couple more stops.
0: Yeah, but we turned uh, around as, like, Donde está Tony?
1: <laughs> where is well, he? Well, when he was kind of like, you, 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 you guys go, you, you, you're like, <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> and, and, never mind, I'm mean, like, okay, yeah, he's done. Um, oh, he's see, not well, the first hey, oh. person
0: I left behind. I left Marcus Padilla behind in Cleveland. So I'm not even getting, getting twisted about it. Um, but no, we, we, you know, that was the thing, right? I had, it was kind of funny because I had this mission to uh-huh. go running on every road trip. And it didn't matter yeah. if it was a one night trip or, or a two night trip. I, I made it a point to go running and it took me three years to accomplish this goal. Cause the first two years. One year we were in Detroit, I got sick. I got the flu. And then and then I'm I wanna say, yeah, then the next year, Denver, I got sick. I got the flu. The following year, and you know what run capped it off was me and you in Los Angeles. That was the one. Remember? We were over by LAX, and and it was me and you running through some Cholo neighborhood in freaking LA. I thought I was gonna get shot. Um. <laughs> right, but I think it was foggy. Yeah. Right. I think that was a good thing they couldn't see us to shoot us. Um, <laughs> but we we did that run and that because we were like I don't even remember the street or the road we were on near the hotel. But um, that was the run that capped it off. That was the one year I did them all, and that was the last year. Uh, the second Mexico City trip was that year also. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I it took three years to do it. And I had some great runs, man. I did, I did Pittsburgh. I did Nashville a few times. Uh, Pittsburgh was great. Uh, I did, I actually did Denver. One of my better runs was in was in Denver. Um, yeah, so I need to get back into it. I'm horribly out of shape. I'm overweight. I've got to get back into it. But that, you know, that w- one of the runs we did was San Diego. We had a good a good run in San Diego, if you remember. Um, yeah, like, I really
1: think we did a couple of them, like a couple of years that you guys, when you, whenever you guys came visit down here, because one time we went by behind the the uh, the convention center. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, because you stayed right, right next to the to Petco Park, and uh, so it was close by to, to make that run uh, up the the uh, what's the name of that embarcadero uh, drive yep. and and then we ran behind the convention center on yep. the way back or something like that. We were over and, by Balboa
0: too. Remember? Yeah. And, one and time uh, we to, go to Balboa and all, and all of the uh the US Navy stuff that's over there like Midway USS Midway museum and all that we ran by that that one time. Um yeah. and we did it at like dusk, right? And and it was just really really cool to do that in in San Diego or running by the water and um yeah, that that was a lot of fun. It was kind of funny. It's funny you mention Petco Park because one of my favorite places, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of mark aside from doing runs at the in these places, I kind of mark some of the folks that places we've been by some of the restaurants, right? Some of the the night spots, some of the uh, sports bars or whatever. And I tell you what, Mm -hmm. Bub's, Bub's by the park or whatever the hell it's called is one of my favorite places is open air sports bar, fantastic craft beer, really good food. And you and I've been there more than, more than once. I want to say it's like three or four times. We've been to Bub's one. If you ever in San Diego, go to Bub's and check that place out. It is really, really, it's good food, good beer. They've got games, you know, they, uh, little, um, you know, a little shuffleboard thingy, like miniature shuffleboard, all kinds of shit. But yeah, Bubs, Bubs is one of my favorite places.
1: Well, yeah, and, and let me remind you why why well, besides the fact that we were like a block away from the team hotel where you guys uh, stayed those those years, because I remember first couple years, you uh, you know, when once I came back to to one, and I uh, will see you when you guys came visit the the Chargers down here when they were still here. Um, sometimes you stay in the hotel in Mission Valley near the stadium. And one yeah. time you said, I want Buffalo Wings. Oh, said, Jesus well. Christ.
0: I knew you were <clears> going <throat> to bring this up.
1: <laughs> well, because there, there was one in in in, in, Gaston, in the Gaslamp Quarter, even though it was a few few blocks farther from the hotel in downtown San Diego. But I remember I mentioned, hey, well, there's one of those here. Like, no, never mind. No, not going there. And I'm like, okay, well, well we can try one of the ones closer by. And that's how we ended up in Bob's because it was literally like a block uh, at the end of the block from from the stadium um, where the Omni Hotel is right next door, and uh, but yeah, I remember that. Now I think it was one of the first years that, that you know once I had come back to to Tijuana San Diego the, that we went there because you stayed at that hotel near near the Qualcomm at the time um, before you started uh, uh, the, the the being at the Omni Hotel. Yeah,
0: and, yeah. Um, after you talk, really you talk me out of going to Hooters again. That that's basically what it was. I want chicken wings. We'll go to Hooters. Yeah. You know how much <laughs> shit Angie gives me for that? And I blame I blame you, but I know it's not your fault. Um, but yeah. Uh Bubs, Bubs are fantastic. Where the didn't we go? Where the hell did we we went in Dallas? We went somewhere stupid, didn't we? Then we go? We had the Buffalo Wild Wings in Dallas like a bunch of idiots. Um, oh,
1: yeah, because uh, I remember Will Kiss came with us. That yeah,
0: time. yeah, yeah. Will, Will came with us, and we're just looking for somewhere yeah. to go eat. And there was a Buffalo Wild Wings off the highway. We're like, yeah, let's go, let's go there, and freaking, yeah. Like, yeah, I,
1: actually, that time you stay, I remember that was a Thanksgiving game, and you guys stayed somewhere between Dallas and Forward, like in the middle near yeah. where the stadium was, because it yeah. was at the new the new Cowboys Stadium. And uh, so it wasn't like you know, well, do we go to Dallas? Do we go to Forward? And then something like that. There's somebody there, like you know, right off the freeway, a few exits uh, from from uh, whatever the hotel was uh, at that particular time.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, uh... It's so stupid. I mean, all the great places we could have gone in Dallas to go eat, or Fort Worth, or whatever. We go to fucking Buffalo Wild Wings. That was great. But you know, the, the funny thing was, I mean, that's that's what we did, right? We this, we went to these different places and and you know, on these different road trips that that you were able to come on. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of cool in two thousand nine to be able to spend Thanksgiving with you in in Dallas and at uh, AT and T Stadium for for a thanks actual Thanksgiving game. So that was pretty cool. You know, I mean, you you got to be away from home, you got to be away from family. You might as well be with colleagues and friends and, and people you you like and get along with. And we got a couple of good photos from that trip, even though I was freaking fat, um, like a cow. Yeah, well now
1: that you mentioned that you were overweight, I mean, oh, I, I that was bad. A bit, but never, yeah, but but if that's my reference point, as the max weight you ever had, or at least since I've known you, <laughs> that was bad.
0: Uh, that yeah. wasn't the heaviest I've ever been, but I looked awful because I didn't exercise. I'm I'm not as heavy as I was, right? But. Mm-hmm. I mean, I at least look better because, you know, I spent eight, nine years exercising regularly. So even though mm-hmm. I am overweight, I don't look as bad or as uncomfortable as I used to. Um, but yeah. Again,
1: I'm going to put you in the spot again because also you had just reached 40, I think uh, at the time. And uh, then again, uh, now that you well, um, I'm about to turn 42 in a month or so. So I'm going to be, pr- was-
0: I'm going to be in June
1: um yeah, yeah. so hey, when you met me i was 27 28 so also that <laughs> yeah
0: I mean, I, I, it happens to all of us right oh shut up uh yeah i know it does it, it we we get older what's funny it, what's funny about it is and, and you'll find it in the next 10 years as well is that um we we get older it's a fact of life it's an in, inevitable. But mentally. I am, I got to be the most immature 52 year old you ever met in your life. I mean, I, you know, it's just really how I think and, and I don't think of myself as even anywhere being close to 50 years old. And it's really weird whenever I say it. But you know me, I am old school in a lot of things and and a lot of things that I like. And, you know, I got an antique typewriter on my desk that doesn't work and needs to be restored. But it's an, you know, uh, I bought it from a new friend and a new neighbor here in Washington. And, um, you know, I, I. I increasingly do not understand the world that I live in, but at the same time, it was technology that made my career. So, uh, and, and this, this medium right here, podcast, this is a, an extension of that. Right. And, you know, I hosted one professionally for two years and, and been doing this one for five, uh, for fun, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, one of the things that, um, I wanted to talk to you about is you know, some of the stuff that you've done outside of sports, right? Because you've worked in government, you've done all kinds of uh, content creation and journalism and that kind of thing. You're, you're an uh, established photographer, uh, accomplished Mm -hmm. photographer. Um, So how did you get into all these other, other uh, lines of work uh, outside of sports?
1: Well, that's, uh, (laughs) that's one of those um, things that come up with. Uh, i attribute it to two things uh my personality based on my zodiac sign <laughs> and and also the fact that well the career i chose uh like i said it has a multitask of things in terms of media and communications but also in terms of the masters that i did uh, when they say well sports management what well, are you gonna coach you're gonna and then of course <laughs> it's all this realm of things that you can do within the sports industry which sometimes I ha- when I have to explain it to people down here, when they say sports management, like, what do you mean? Like what, what? I had to tell them, well, look at it. Like just an MBA, but focus totally on sports. So apply whatever you will do to any company, whatever. And, and you it in, you know, in sports organizations and you can go, yeah, professionally, media, community, uh, government. And uh, that's kind of the segue of a little bit of combining photo, photography and, and sports, how I got into uh, city government. Um, and and yeah, you try to do as much as you can in in all kinds of things. Even though sometimes, you know, you're more attracted to. In my like I said at the beginning, I wanted a segue to be able to be able to go to sporting and show uh, concerts and stuff. And one of those ways was well, if you cover them for a media outlet, you get to attend them. Um, Fuck yeah, that so, works. Yeah, and uh, so. So even before I did the Masters, I started doing photography for one of the local newspapers down here uh, covering the Chargers and the Padres and then a a few things here in the city with uh, uh, sports teams that were there at the time. Uh, there was a basketball team uh, that's no longer, you know, disappear or whatever, or the franchise moved. But uh, but now there's another team that plays in another league here, uh, regional league here, and we have a baseball team that plays in the national, all the Liga Mexicana. Actually, they were champions last last uh, season, um, the second time in five years. So. Um, so that's why I started doing when I first got out of college uh, before doing the masters while doing the masters. Yeah. I did the internship with you guys or at the Raiders. And also I remember having worked part-time with the Warriors. That's mm-hmm. why I also root for them besides the fact that they're in the Bay area. But I, I can also say, Hey, at least for a couple of seasons, I was there, uh, doing, uh, in-game marketing stuff. And actually the one thing that I did the most at the Warriors was whenever they had a giveaway for a game, it was like, well, you're assigned this gate, uh, you know, figure it out, how to hand them over as to, as quickly as possible to get people through the gates because it was right after they scanned the ticket. Okay, here's your t-shirt or your hat or whatever it was. And, and you know, and just get them to, you know, keep going into the, into the, into the arena. And um, But also we had to do schedules, uh, uh, you know, put out schedules all over the place in the city or the Bay Area, depending where you live. Why not. And once I came back... Um, I did a little bit of high school football coaching mm. just because I, it was and it was in my old high school. Uh, I also wanted to get that experience of being, a, a, again, on a field. Um, I rejoined my flag football team. I was just going to
0: say, didn't you play some flag football too to, in an adult league?
1: Yeah, well, we started when we were in college. Actually, it started as a college team uh, for you know uh, Adivero. Uh, and we represented the, the the school. But once most of the team graduated, which was you know around 2004, when I uh, once I had come back from that you know those couple semesters over there, uh, w- well, we kept the team going, but we changed names, and uh, and that team it still played. Up until March of two years ago, once they also had to suspend the season because mm. usually we played in the spring, uh, like a week or so after we would have preseason during January when the playoffs were going in the NFL, mm. and then the week after the Super Bowl, that's when we usually started the season. And play during the spring through, through May. And, um, and we did play last time was March 2020, uh, like towards the end of it. Cause you know, it took, it took a little bit longer for us to actually start, uh, stop doing stuff or shutting stuff down. Uh, even though we we're right next to San Diego, right? But, um, but yeah. And, uh, and we haven't played since. And I something tells me at least my team may be done for it. Cause also many of my cl- teammates, which are also around my age they also had either, well, they either got married or they have some injuries that by or, now, Yeah, I was going to say,
0: or blew out a knee. Yeah.
1: Or knee or they were way overweight or, you know, or they just basically, you know, like they gave up and I'm like, you know, I'm done with all this. Or they decided to also do some stuff. I, one of my teammates decided to take up on off-road uh, cycling with his kids. And so they're getting much into that. A couple others are also into running like me and uh but but they're not again in such shape to be able to play because i mean newer teams have come up with you know younger players and and actually in 2020 we were like well after this season uh, god knows if we'll play in the, ne- the following year uh because many of us the, the ones who founded the team were like eh, i don't know we can keep, keep going or or even for in my case which i've been lucky enough not to be actually injured seriously enough to you know like be you know, um, on crutches or anything. It's like, well, I can, (laughs) not because you believe me, a teammate of mine broke his ankle, another teammate of mine also blew a knee, or, or, you know, something like that, or their shoulders, or, or just, they're just out of shape. And I'm like, I'm being very lucky in that sense. Or, Uh, or you could
0: have a clamp on your, your freaking spine, like the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and a two and and, a half uh, inch body modification. I never asked for, yeah. There's a reason p- after 40 you shouldn't be fucking doing these things. There's there's a reason. But but you know, I I applaud you for sticking with the running, right? I think mm-hmm. I think that's great. Um one of the things I wanted to talk to you about or ask you about. So, it's funny that you're drinking that beer, right? The Bohemia, right? So, yeah. You know, I, I kind of fancy myself not a bohemian and not a hippie, but something in between, or right? in some kind of you know extended beatnik. Um, and you know, it's it's interesting because as much as uh, Jack Kerouac, who uh, you know one of my favorite writers and my favorite beat generation writer, who you know well documented trips to California, right, and all in San Francisco and Big Sur and and all that, right. Mm -hmm. But if you read On the Road, Mm -hmm. he spends a good amount of time of that story in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there's another book that you just picked up that you told me about, Mexico City Blues, that I, I have. I haven't read it yet, but I have it. And it's really, really interesting that, you know it's so funny because we're we freaking Americans like all these stupid creature comforts. And, you know, we're, we're worried about, you know, we go to somewhere like Mexico or, or somewhere else that, you know, it's not clean. It's not this, it's not that it's I, the, the misperceptions about places like Mexico just absolutely blow my freaking mind. Um, you know, those trips to Mexico city are two of the greatest trips I've ever taken in my life, even though they were only for a couple of days. Um, And I always thought when I went, I'm gonna and this is before I really read uh well, no, I I take that back. I read I read on the road and 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 consumed it in twenty fourteen. But so by the time I came down there I knew uh Jack and and, uh uh Neil Cassidy had had caroused in Mexico. Um but it just when you go somewhere and you go visit, it's like when we went to you know, England in twenty fourteen. I know you didn't get a chance to go, but I mean, I knew Sebastian Stoltz. Stoltz came from Germany and it's like, I'm in London. I've never been to London, London before in my life. I'm going to immerse myself in London, right? It was, it was go to the pubs and whatnot. I have a cousin, I have a cousin who was living there at the time. We took a train to go see her. I had, I had a home cooked meal in another country. Um, and, and what really bothers me a lot of times is when people travel, it, especially for let's say for work uh and and they don't experience the local flavor the, the the sabor the uh you know the culture and it really really bothers me and everywhere I go even if it's an American city I like the off the beaten path right I like mm-hmm. I, you know I' have been in Nashville a few times and yeah Broadway's fine it's got all the live music and everything else but I like to find the spot off the beaten path sometimes that's where the best food is that's where the best beer is it's where the best people are i always like a little little grime a little i like it a little dark a little dingy almost almost dangerous you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh yeah. and so when you told me you'd, you'd picked up a copy of mexico city blues and and you know part of the reason you did it was because you listened to this show uh that warms my heart and um you know uh, it's interesting when you when you think about who your friends are and who your good friends are, you know, Sal. Uh, even though we work together, you worked for me for a while. Uh, you know, you become a good good close friend, right? So, uh, I know you you have my books and you've read my books, and and but the fact that we have you know these common interests, uh, it makes me happy, right? And um, I think it's really really neat that you know you listen to the show, you hear me talk about a writer like Jack Kerouac, and you go out and pick up the book. Right. And, and, um, it, it's, it's just really interesting that everywhere I go, I try to immerse myself in the culture or the atmosphere, or the ambiance or whatever. Um, even if I'm by myself, right. If I, if I don't have somebody, you know, to pal around with like you, like yourself, I'll go do it myself. And I think, I think the people who were afraid to even leave their hotel room are missing out on, on big life experiences. Does that make sense?
1: No, oh, totally. And, and well, I have quite a few things on, on on a couple of those things that you just mentioned is, um, well, for one, I remember the first trip, uh, uh, you know, the Raider trip that to Mexico City. Many people didn't want to leave or even, I remember it was kind of like absurd to a point, drink water, local water, tap water, because uh, on a previous trip that they did as a promotion during the draft, a couple of people got sick. Um, but then again, also that whole perception of, oh, it's a dangerous place. One time I had to explain that to, living here in TJ for almost 30 years now, except those years I've been up in San Francisco. Um, when I will go to Mexico City, I will say, oh, Tijuana is so dangerous, because there's all this stuff going on in India. Yeah, sure, but guess what? When I told people over there that I was gonna come to Mexico City, they told me, hey, be careful on you know, the metro system or you in know, certain parts of town or, or in downtown. Because they also have this perception of well, you know not being that safe or or so or not that clean, depending. But it's also like well, but then again, at some point now that I've lived in San Francisco for overall four years between undergrad and and the master's program, it's well, you go to the Tenderloin, or you go by <laughs> certain places, even though um, in a uh, because uh, one uh, a few of the times that I the, of, of the many times that I did go to. To the bay area to either you know catch up uh, on a mini camp or or for games uh uh, in the last 10 years before you know the pandemic or while the team was still up there um i will stay in this uh in these places in downtown san francisco and and they were not you know like even just because i will take part you know land on either open or sspo take part and then got off uh, on Market Street and then walk the few blocks or whatever, depending where I was staying. Uh, when I didn't stay on on those, uh, you know, right next to the facility, but um, but sometimes you would walk by and you'll see that, well the, <laughs> none of these guys jump jump right on me since I'm holding a suitcase and whatnot and my backpack with my laptop and whatnot. But then again, it's also well. In everywhere you go, depending what part of town you go, you're bound to have risk or not. And also it seems it's it only a matter of how smart you are in terms of trying to figure out, okay, you better not go down that that alley and try to keep here. And even when you're trying to see the, the like you said, go off the beaten path and into the more regular uh, lifestyle of the whatever town you're in or country. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, it's, it's ironic in the, uh, how it comes about, um, but then again, it's more fulfilling when you see that, those places, besides doing the touristy stuff, as I call it, and, uh, and realize, hey, there's so much more to, to do here and, and to get to you know. Uh, and so, yeah, in terms of, uh, of those communities, well, yeah, I, I remember you mentioned it. Even though I haven't seen the movie or read the, about the On the Road uh, or the book, but but I remember also when that movie came came out, how they did all these analysis about how they had adapted the, his book to the script and whatnot, and the movie, and uh, and it's something that oh yeah, well that, that should be fun to see, um, oh, and also to do and read, and and the way I came to this book about C- Mexico City Blues, it's at a book fair in one of the local colleges here that you know they had these uh, not only plays. Uh, publishers with book, new books and whatnot, but they also had some play- some of these guys just basically with a whole bunch of used books, kind of like City Lights or uh, or Green Apple Books in San Francisco. Mm, um, yeah. And then just through browsing it, I came around like, oh, well, let's see what's here. And then I realized like, wait, hold on. Like, this kind of seems familiar, the author name. And, and of course the title, like, is it? Is it? And then, uh, Yeah, it is. And and because he, the, in a way, he realized like, okay, it is who he mentioned. Because on the back it has the years that he lived and i remember you mentioning one of your with your other guests that he died in 1969 and how they were celebrating that he would have been i think 100 this year this year yeah last
0: month yep
1: and uh, i was like oh oh, yeah 1922 and um said like oh yeah but that has to be that, that the other indeed and uh and just getting a glimpse of oh how funny i came up you know uh, came across this book so randomly among all these mountains of books of uh, used books uh, that I had in, in a few of those stalls but um but yeah by the way question do you still have that sorrow
0: figurine I gave you it's on my shelf on my multi so here in my office in the Hello. podcast studio um I have a, a shelving unit with all my DVDs and CDs. And on top of it, I have Zorro fighting Darth Vader. So I have the Zorro you gave me. It's on the the shelf. I have Godzilla that you got for me. There's there's a whole bunch of other. I mean, there's a few things uh, in still in boxes I haven't I haven't put out yet uh, since moving here. But uh, yeah, uh, right on the uh, right on the shelf. And if you don't believe me, I'll take a picture and send it to you. But yeah, I have Zorro fighting Darth Vader. On you know in front of a, a king king 2005 King Kong box set that I have uh, up there next to next to an unopened action figure of uh, Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams from Army of Darkness. So that's my and and I still have my my Darth Vader Pez dispenser, the giant Darth Vader Pez dispenser, if you recall, up there with three yeah. Godzilla figurines, and I think all three of those Godzilla f- uh, things came from you. So yeah. Um, no, they're, they're on display in my office, uh, the podcast studio for the Get the Knack podcast here in Ocean Shores, Washington with your host, Jerry Knack and my special guest, Sal Flores. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I have the, the stuff out. Um, so don't think I don't appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, i don't know because when i found I, uh, when i found that thing i was like yeah it, it, uh, yeah I, have to get
0: it I brought it back from uh, mexico didn't i i mean it, i mean you know or i brought something yeah, back yeah. from mexico i brought you a book and of mine and then and then you know uh so but no it's um it, it's really neat that Whenever you're out and about and you see something like that, you know, that would interest me, it's really cool that that you've you've done that for me. And, I, and I've always appreciated it. And I think because they all mean something, right? It's not like it's random. You know I like Godzilla movies, so you give me a couple Godzilla things. You know I like I, – I am a huge fan of Zorro movies going all the way back. So like Tyrone Power or whoever the hell, um, you know, and uh, – you know the uh, I even like the Antonio Barret Benares film and uh, you know uh, the George Hamilton Zorro the Gay Blade and uh, you know I've always uh, been intrigued by the Legend of Zorro and and that kind of thing and you know uh, Angie who uh, my wife is uh, a big fan of the California missions and has, mm-hmm. she has visited a few and um, you know it's funny I was going to mention this to you uh, here in uh, Ocean Shores you know there's all of about 6,500 people who live here. And um, because of COVID and and whatever, it doesn't seem like the the damn Mexican restaurants here in town are are ever freaking open. And I'm like, okay, I live in the Pacific Northwest. There's no shortage of Mexican food in the U.S. But here in Ocean Shores, for whatever damn reason, we don't have Mexican food that I can shake a stick at. But, geez, we got a great Thai restaurant. You You explain that. I, I,
1: um, well, I know, I know in, in Seattle, there's also well, I mean, there will be license, right? Uh, but a big Asian presence, uh, just like in, in the Bay Area. So I don't know if that why it has trickled down towards your neck of the woods. But uh, but in terms of Mexican food, that seems odd. Uh, very weird,
0: yeah. right? I mean, and there's r- restaurants in town. It's just they never seem to be open. We got a great fish place, like like to get fish and chips and stuff. We've got. Uh, the only fast food place in town is a McDonald's, um, and then you know we do have a few interesting spots here in town. But yeah, the best—I mean, Thai food. Seriously, of all the things, I mean, we get a couple of decent pizza joints. We got you know this, that, or the other thing. But yeah, it freaking Thai food. I'm not complaining because it's really, really freaking good, but very random. Very random.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, now that you mentioned Bits, I do remember that place, those couple places in Alameda, La Baos, and the other one on Park Street.
0: Well, Toomey's uh, for uh, Thai food, right? I mean, Toomey's was fantastic. I, I like going to that I re- spot.
1: I, I remember I went there with my my other good friend that sometimes I will also crash with her that lives in Alameda because, yeah, she knows all everything around there in Alameda. She's lived there her whole, I think, almost basically her whole life. And, um, and yeah, I remember being to Tumi's and a couple other places there on, on, on I think it is Fox Retro. Yeah. Boulevard there in La Vida. Yep. And, uh, but in terms of the pizza, well, I remember Laval's and and the other places. Yeah, the, we the used to go to, you and I
0: used to time. go to Laval. Laval's had a deal, though. It was like six or seven bucks, and we get a pizza and a salad bar and the whole deal, the personal pizza. You and I used to go all the time. I remember that. That was, that was good.
1: Yeah, and the, the, those are it would also be it would always be kind of for me every time I did go up there whether it was a couple of days or just uh or even more I remember the last time I went up there for during uh, training camp time was I think in 2019 or 2018 and uh and yeah I just spent a whole bunch of time uh once I had gone to to do actual practice for a couple of days, uh, sightseeing all those places. Because, yeah, going back to that year that I spent the whole month in Napa, uh, that you mentioned at the beginning, too, it was kind of like, well, there's so much to see around here, too, that that even though I was there three years, sometimes I was, uh, every time I did go back, it was like, not only I want to go back to those places that you know I enjoyed, but also, like, let's try, uh, again, even more stuff, new stuff that, for some reason, I didn't get a chance to, when I was living up there. Since indeed I got uh busy with you know be at the internship or the time that I was uh, you know with the Raiders with or with the radio stations I still uh, did some uh, like part-time stuff for certain events that they sponsor via at KGO or KSFO, since they were under the same uh, uh owned by the same company when they were still at front street uh, on the ABC building because I remember uh, the uh, ABC seven the TV channel was on the middle building. Uh, on the middle floor, and then we were uh, the rail stations were on top. Uh, but I know that they also, you know, either got sold or something like that. And now they're all dispersed. Plus, so, um, just like, you know, when we met uh, the people that were there when we met at, uh, in Alameda, the facility, uh, many people are somewhere else. Um, I do keep in touch still with my boss from the rail stations through Facebook. And the last time I was in the Bay Area, I saw him at, uh, he was working at Pier 39. Um, but then again, that was pre-pandemic, so it's <laughs> me what's yeah. going on with him, or or what happened at Pier, or you know, like what has gone on with many places in, in the Bay Area in terms of also surviving, the, you know, closing down, or or the people just making it through without you know having been sick or or had passed away, like like many many did uh so but yeah that, those those memories throughout the last because now making count it's been what 14 years since we actually met
0: yeah something oh. like that and you know it's funny when i was promoting the show for tonight uh ron fell uh spoke up oh, and, yeah. and said something about you being on the show tonight and you know I ron was a producer uh, for raiders games for a long time with uh, john trinidad was the engineer and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ron, uh, Ron's a good, good dude. And, uh, you know, worked in Bay area radio for a long, long time. Knows everybody knows all the, you know, was, I'm sure he worked with Bill King back in the day, uh, on Raiders and A's broadcasts. And, uh, you know, so, uh, I know, you know, Ron and, uh, I'm sure Ron will be listening tonight and or tomorrow. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it does, it, it kills me, Sal, that, you know there's people in this world that are afraid to live and um when they have a chance to to go somewhere they don't even leave, leave the hotel uh it, it doesn't make any damn sense yeah. to me And you know again like i said when i first brought it up when i went down to mexico mm-hmm. city you were there and ambrosio and fernando i'm with i'm with with natives i'm i'm good right i'm gonna go hang out with my friends And even even Paul Gutierrez, uh, our our friend who uh, writes for ESPN, you know, we went to this little cantina for a nightcap one of those nights. And, you know, I my thing is, even though there were federales on a stakeout that one night that we were uh, headed to uh, El Farolito, I never felt unsafe. I never felt out of place. Even though you know, here I am, you know, uh, el, el gringo. Um, I it's f- not that I felt like I belonged, but I didn't feel out of place either, and it, it was just such a great experience to go and and be in the middle of one of the largest cities in the world right and go to a place like Chapultepec Park which is one of the biggest parks in uh, the western hemisphere knowing knowing that Mexico City is built on top of the ancient Aztec civilization how cool is all of that
1: right Oh yeah and you could just yeah and you're surprised cuz um not only with the ruins that were discovered or now with some current projects they're trying to do with the the current federal administration is when you realize um, I follow uh, on Facebook a couple uh, follow a couple profiles in terms that have to do with history like San Francisco but also Mexico City and also here in TJ and when you see photos or videos if there are of how the city was 50, well never mind 100 years ago which then again you you uh, when I sometimes come across photos like they say oh yeah this is Mexico City in such part of the town or, or of the city back and they put the year, or around the year, you realize, like, hmm, I'll take your word for it, because there's no way I can make out that there's actually something that still exists with all these new buildings around, or or just the fact that it's so populated with cars or people, and um, and realize, like, well, how is the, how cities have developed now um, in certain places, or sprawled all, all over, or even here in Tijuana from 30 years ago, and now realizing, like, well, because that was one of the uh, uh, the upsides of having worked in city government, that you would go to all these parts of town that even though I'm yes, uh, considered, you know, being middle class in terms of the population here, uh, the the places I move around or or with the people I hang around um, is not in, you know, like certain parts of town that I would just go just because if I didn't know somebody there or my work in city government is, well your job requires you to go and, you know, tend to those communities and figure out what's going on uh, with their needs or whatnot. And, uh, and realize, well, the city has just, you know, grown so much. Uh, so yeah, places like Mexico city being on, on top of those ruins and, and also how, you know, it has uh, been populated all, over time. It seems incredible to think. And one other thing that I wanted to point out that you mentioned in terms of when you travel, going, Places by yourself or doing stuff by yourself—that that is something that he did many people find weird. My dad mm-hmm. could not gra- grasp that concept of me doing stuff by myself. Be it as simple as going to watch a movie or mm-hmm. actually watch a game
0: or have um, a meal. Right? I mean, uh, you yeah. know, I kind of started doing that in Kansas City. Right before I, I made friends there, uh, I would go to Union Station by myself and ha- I sit at a bar and have a steak. Right. I mean, it, it just it, you got to be comfortable, you know, with yourself or by yourself to, to do those stuff. I've been to a movie by myself a couple of times. It's not the greatest experience. I don't you know, I don't recommend it. Um, but, you know, if you want to go see a movie, go see a movie. Right. You, you can't, you know, I mean, there was a, a time. So Denver, as we were talking about um, the beats and, and beatniks, Denver is a, a big place uh, in beatnik culture. And I didn't know that until I read On the Road. And I hated Denver. I couldn't stand it. I thought it was a cow town. I don't like country this, country that. I don't like cowboys. It's not my thing. But when I found out that Jack Kerouac, and I mean, that's where he, where Neil Cassidy was was from at the time, well, kind of at the time. Um, I decided I'm going to make this town my own. I'm going to go out. I try to get people to go with me. And they're like, meh, you know. We don't. We don't want to go. We don't want to do it. So I. St- I went. To, I found a bookstore that had a great beat uh, literature uh, section. I found a place called My Brother's Bar where Jack Kerouac and Cassidy and Neil uh, uh, Allen Ginsberg and and a whole bunch of other the Beats used to hang out. I made it my own, right? I, I did my own little adventure, um, and you know, I discovered I liked Denver after all, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's really you know there's this place in ten, in Nashville I like to go it's called the poor house P O U R it is a bourbon burger bar and it's they got great whiskey selection they got great cheeseburgers um i'd rather do that than go hang out at a honky tonk on broadway right but that you know that's me i there's places i like to to hang out places i like to go uh a lot of times the hole in the wall has the best food right mm-hmm. And, and those are the places I like to go because that's where the real people are. I don't like fake people. I don't like fake experiences. Uh, I don't like a lot of schmaltz, right, for lack of a better word. I, I like the real stuff. And, you know, I got to be in the mood for it. But, you know, if I'm a, a eating food with my fingers, I mean, it's like the time we were at Bubs, right? My our, our, our old friend Stephanie Worth came right she came to visit um and and come see us and she had interned at the raiders as well i hadn't seen her in in you know 15 years or whatever it was and you know these places uh you know off the beaten path the holes in the wall this is this is the real the real thing right yeah don't get me wrong sal i love a high-end steakhouse I've eaten at the Metropolitan Grill in Seattle. I've eaten at Morton's. I've eaten at at the Duquesne Club in Pittsburgh. I have eaten at high-end places. You know what? Mm -hmm. The real stuff, that's in the neighborhoods, right? The neighborhood pizza joint, right? The -hmm. neighborhood burger spot, chicken wing spot. That's the best place to go because that's where the real food, the real beer, and the real people are. And what was really, really cool was to have that in Mexico City, right? And and to be able to do that, like, and again, to be in England and I'm hanging out with Stoltz, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in, in a pub, in an, in an English pub, I mean, Piccadilly Circus with with uh, a friend. I mean, I think I'm extremely lucky that over the years that I've met all of these folks, yourself included, that have allowed me to have these experiences uh, meet different people, eat different food, and and just just be part of part of life and part of the world. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, and and now that you know everything's getting activated and open again, and and why not? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like we better get to do some stuff. That that's one of the things. Um, well, the two things uh, uh just closing in on, on doing stuff by yourself is if you. If, I mean, if you, in terms of like, if one personally, of course, would like to do things with people and share them and whatnot, but but if if it's not possible, why are you gonna miss um, uh, and stuff just because you're gonna go with a friend or your significant other or a relative or whatever and um, and not do something a couple of weeks ago, uh, well, more like a month ago uh, when do we I signed up for this race in Cabos in. Cabo, down in at the end of the, the peninsula, and last minute a friend decided to also sign up, and we had a good time. But otherwise, I was going to go by myself. Uh, even though I know I knew people in terms of runners that were going from here, but and I did run to a couple of them down there. But it was like, hey, we'll we'll get to enjoy it. And um, the thing I was saying about my dad is that when I turned, as soon as I came back in 2010. Uh, it, it was at the beginning of the year, and before I turned, uh, and by the time I turned 30, um, uh, the day off, I went to a Padre game. But I went by myself, because he landed on a Thursday, I think. And um, my dad was at work, he was still working at the uh, uh, Coca-Cola company down here in, in TJ, for where he worked for the last 20-something years of his professional career, before uh, uh, retiring. And... Um, my brother was at work too. My mother, we were doing some renovations at my mother's house because I came back, you know, to my mother's house with, before uh, setting on my own a uh, couple of years later. Um, and uh, so he had to, you know, be, be at home, you know, making sure they were doing uh, a good job. And my sister had also got a job. So, and and most of my friends were in a work days. So I figured, well, if one thing that I can do today, at least, being my birthday is, go to a game and enjoy it, I was. So when my dad called me the afternoon, like, hey, so happy birthday, how you doing? What, what are you up to? Oh, I'm here at the Potter game. I, oh, who did you go to go with? I'm like, uh, me? <laughs> 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 what? What is? it? And he was like, yeah, I what mean, mean? He, like, <laughs> what the, what, what, how, how can you do that? Like, go to a game by yourself, and then on your birthday, like, well, when I come back, surely enough, my mom and sister will have me a cake or something, and then, of course, you and I will, you know, go have a meal tomorrow or, on the weekend, or something, but w- what I was supposed to do, like not do anything just because everybody was busy, <laughs> no, but um, right, but yeah, so now it's kind of like, uh, let, let's live life, and hopefully, you get to do it with people. But if not, and and in terms of my dad, on the other side, is the not only well, you know, since of course, I have memories of him, and be it because he was work related or he will go on trips with my mom or then we will go as a family while they were still together. But even afterwards, we, he will also, you know, tell us, Hey, well, let's do something that the three of us with my sister. And then of course, eventually we'd he, his, um, uh, well, the third wife, cause he ended up marrying three times, <laughs> but, um, but even, I mean, we eventually figured something out in terms of, okay, well, in order to be able to spend even more time together, uh, sometimes he was, you know, uh, men doing it with, uh, with his wife and, and so on. But, um, but he but the one thing that uh, he did the last 10 years of his life, cause he passed away, uh, over a year ago, uh, once he retired was travel a over and, uh. And, and then again, he was well-deserved because he had worked 40-something years, uh, hard work uh, coming from next to nothing in terms of how, you know, where he ended up uh, being born and, and growing up. But once he, uh, and that's why he made a, such an emphasis on, on education, he prepared himself to be educated and go to college. He went to la UNAM, uh, the, the biggest university in Mexico, and um, state run. And... Uh, and did this whole 40 year career in a uh, bottling business, mainly Coca-Cola. But, uh, and, you know, at the end, he was able to enjoy himself as much. And, I, and that's why we tell him so many times, he will tell us, well, uh, and even though it, it, it has happened, you know, once I'm gone, you know, hopefully you'll, uh, you know, um, take care of whatever is left, and we were like, "Yeah, sure that," but uh, how about you actually enjoy it yourself? <laughs> well, you have it since you work for it, and um, and and so the rewards of it. Uh, even though he did many of that during his working years, but uh, but now with what we have just gone through these last couple of years, is like well, we very enjoy life as much as we can, and uh, and yeah, if possible, go places, do stuff, and also considering how things are going um, all over the world with migration or what is going on in, in in Europe in terms of conflicts is, yeah, also try to see places before they're gone in our lifetime, which <laughs> is weird to think about it. Right. Uh, because be it, be it climate, be it uh, migration issues because of Lack of uh, security in some parts of the country, be it here in Mexico or, or other parts. Of or Latin America. things or like war
0: on. or religious oh, yeah. intolerance or any of these things that that cause uh, any of our, our human history to, to be destroyed or disappear. Yeah, you got to get out and go see stuff. And, and the last two years that the pandemic has just been bad with that. But to your point, you can't let, Uh solitude or or you know being by your individuality, get in the way of going to do stuff. You can't you can't be paralyzed in a hotel room, be like, "I I don't know anybody here. I don't have any friends, I don't have any family. I'm gonna just sit here and order room service. No, get your ass out, go walk, go go see the neighborhoods. Now, the point I'll make is every city in the world has a bad neighborhood, right? It's I don't care, I don't care where even Alameda had a bad neighborhood you you just you got to be aware right don't go where you don't belong all right but get out and do stuff and go go eat the food and drink the drinks and and be among the people and you know um and and hope you don't get COVID. but um you know one of one of the things i was going to say was you know in today's internet age there's no freaking excuse for not being able to uh investigate different cultures and different regions when i was growing up the only anything of Mexico we knew in Western New York was from watching a fucking love boat and hearing them talk about Acapulco and Puerto Vallarta. So, mm-hmm. so the fact that I've been able to to go down and visit Mexico city and, and, you know, see, you know, see, see what to see and eat the food and be among the people is friggin' amazing for me. Right. Because, because when I was a kid in the seventies and eighties, we didn't have that, that, that resource, right? Unless you were interested in, in world geography or, or multiculturalism, you didn't learn this stuff, right? You got it from television and now there's no freaking excuse for it. There's all kinds of experiences, you know, in this, this uh, virtual reality and augmented reality and all this stuff. is going to tell you, there's this, if, if you have Disney plus, there's this great mm-hmm. national geographic documentary series, where they use augmented reality to show you what freaking temples look used to look like, you know, a thousand years ago, three thousand years ago. They did a whole thing with Machu Picchu in Peru, um, and a bunch of other like lost and abandoned civilizations and that kind of thing. And they're they're using modern technology in archaeology and anthropology, and and then by the end of the show, they show you what it lo- would have looked like back went right. back when in its heyday, right? So. I think, you know, a great way to kind of wrap up this conversation is, is, you know, if it wasn't for sports and that kind of thing, you and I would have never met. So I'm grateful for that. And then, you know, you and I have had the opportunity to go running in different places I I mean, on top of that, I mean, I've gone running in England. I've gone running in, in Mexico. I, uh, I've gone running, you know, all across the country. So, you know, and I know you're, you're still big into it and, and doing, doing races and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think the bottom line is for this whole conversation is embrace people and embrace other cultures and languages and avail yourself to these experiences. Don't you think?
1: No, most definitely. Uh, That's one of the things that, uh, you know, reflecting on it, uh, not only this, uh, you know, friendship between you and me, but also like my my boss from KGO, um, uh, who is from, uh, well, he's from New Jersey, but he's like the part that that is right next to Philadelphia, so he's more, uh, So also in terms like, sports fandom his old philly teams uh, like all uh, california bay area teams actually uh for the most part and uh but the fact that the backgrounds are so different and uh, among a couple other people uh that i met up there um and that we keep keep uh, in touch still uh, or at least you know have a sense of what's going on which is other lives through what we publish on facebook or instagram is what are those things that that connect us and have us in common even though there may be things that we may not agree or we see differently. But, but then again, because, I mean, even being smart, uh, um, a fan of whatever sport or team, and then you have this thing of going, a hey, in, in his case, hey, the Eagles or the – Phillies or whatever, being that I do root for the Padres in terms of baseball. So in your case, but then again, you know, Yankees and Pedres, other than that 98 World Series, they, you <laughs> know, it's not much of a reverie uh, and, and it was hurtful to have him been set back then. But, um, but still is like, well, uh, cause for example, um, also a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic fit full force, I, I reconnected, uh, uh, with Nora, which we send you that picture. You know, she was a interior assistant with, uh, Karen, uh, with the Red Reds. Yep. And she's a big Dodgers fan, and also St. Mary's, because she attended St. Mary's, and I did USF, and they were also playing the same conference, at least uh, in most of the sports, especially basketball. So we have had this ribbon going back and forth, like, hey, Don's lost, or, you know, your padres, or whatever, and then the Dodgers, whatever. And, um, but, uh, and even though her background is uh, Mexican because of her parents, but she's born and grown up on uh, the LA area for the for all her life or, or or also you know been up in the bay area doing undergrad whatnot. but there's also these certain common points of you know how randomly we met mm-hmm. doing something and then you know we realized oh there's all, all other things in common or with my couple other friends from the bay area uh the one that lives in Alameda and this other friend and uh, and and almost 20 years later we're still in touch and uh, and of course during pandemic we've done some some calls and whatnot. and um and, and yeah like you mentioned in one of the other podcast uh, episodes that you did they may we may spend a whole bunch of time not actually talking to each other or having seen each other with the depending circumstances but but there's a certain still connection of it and uh, yep. and even with some of my friends here in in tijuana because uh, never mind the pen where'd you go yeah oh, there you though, are know, yeah but then when we call each other or we get together it's hey so what's up like yo know, what's what's going on <laughs> and then like like we seen each other a couple days ago um a couple of them might know more about what their wives published. Because they actually don't are not that active on, on Facebook or whatever, but in terms of knowing, oh, they're they're doing well in terms of you know their kids or their wives or family in general, uh, and regardless of whether I, we actually call each other directly, like hey, so what what are you doing today? Do you want do you want to hang out or you know what's the plan for the weekend or whatever? And, and weeks or months go by, but you know, but we still have that that common ground. And, uh, and of course, those guys uh, I've known for <laughs> 25 years or something like that, because we met in, uh, hold on, let me make count, because we also um, have different time, uh, way of uh, saying uh, the grades in school. Um, I think it was like seven or eight grade when we met. Yeah, around that time. And we've been, you know, uh, this close knit of five, six friends uh since and um but then again we live in the same time and we, we weeks or months could go by and we don't actually see each other physically uh but we know we're we're there and we we are able to to lean on each other when it's really needed or just hey now let's get together <laughs> and you know and catch up um uh, play a little bit of poker and and drink a beer or something and uh, and and rip each other but um but yeah so so in terms of those of in this case you and me or those other people that i mentioned it's um it's weird how we we do find that common ground regardless yeah. of our backgrounds or even our beliefs in in many whatever issues no be it religion or politics or just the fact that you are you guys live in the us i live down in mexico but then being on the border it's kind of like because going back to that uh, the thing that you asked me at the beginning is how how did i get involved well getting here at 11 10 11 years old and for some reason having this affinity for football, not soccer as much, and then baseball and basketball and whatnot, is, that's what's driven me to, okay, try to look up north. And even though right now I'm here, uh, but then again, that's the dynamic. So diverse of being here, you get the best of both worlds. One, one day, uh, like three years ago on a Sunday, I went to a Padre game, which was a day game because they usually play at noon or one uh, on Sundays. And as soon as I, and then, you know, the game was over, drove back across the border and went to a soccer game with the Cholos, the professional team for the Mexican league. And where can you do that? On the same day, two different countries, two different sports venues, and, you know, unless you live in Europe or probably Seattle and Vancouver, but even those are a little bit farther apart, uh, where else can can you do something like that for us who, like, Sports and also concert uh, stuff, because you know I've also gone to concerts both to cover or just to enjoy them uh, in San Diego, or Tel Aviv, or whatever. Just like there will be concerts here in Tijuana and uh, with you know internationally, international known artists, and realize like well, that no, not many places you can you have that much diversity in terms of that, uh, or just like the food, but um, but then you know knowing people from all backgrounds and understanding their. Uh, their cultures or or the or their beliefs in terms of how things should work. Of course, many people will say or they will ask me like, "What do you think is wrong here?" Like, oh, there's many things wrong here. But then again, if you embrace the the good things about it and then try to enjoy them, those not so good things, uh, yeah, sometimes you become a bit oblivious. But and you're aware that they're there, but but you don't try to get caught up on it. You just uh, you know keep doing what you're doing and, and enjoy as much and if possible, like we just mentioned, try to go out and about other places. Uh, last uh, um, these last two years, uh, reflecting on them too, is I think I need to know more about my own country in terms of visit certain places. Besides the fact that I do enjoy going and sightseeing in the U. S. and hopefully abroad, further abroad uh, to places uh, for the longest time. I mean wanting to go but now it's like well make sure you try, you get there soon enough because god knows what could happen the after you know these last couple of years so hopefully soon enough i'll be able to drive up there or fly up there and visit around your new your new digs and yeah the 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 invitation is always open down here because yeah you're missing quite a lot not only tj and baja but of course the rest of the country
0: yeah you know it's interesting um that uh I have this philosophy um that you have to be a um you have to be a tourist in your own town, right? Or or where you live. Um and I, I've not always been good at that. Right? Mm-hmm. So I need to do that here in Washington state and, you know, living in the Bay area in San Francisco, didn't do it nearly as much as I should have, but, um, bottom line is everywhere I've been, I've tried to to immerse myself in, in the local, whatever. Um, yeah, I need to get out and about here in Washington and explore all there is to see and do here. But, um, but yeah, Sal, I really um, appreciate you coming on the show and us being pals. And I also am a firm believer that people are put in your path for a reason. So, um, you know, so many years ago or whatever, you uh, were put in my path. Uh, and we've become good friends since then. And we'll we'll continue to be such. And I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a good time. We've had a, a really good hour and a half. And uh you know, is there anything you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, well, I guess we can think. Uh, in this case, it was Selena who handed me over to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you say that like it's a like it's a thing, like uh, like it's a the ownership thing. Get out of here.
1: Well, I, I, I recall that you know once that first, uh, I think it was the O eight season, and then. Uh, uh, came back, uh, oh, oh, well, when we had that uh, infamous uh, um, uh, press conference where they, you know, explained the cause for fighting somebody. Um, but then um, that I talking to Elena and me also trying to still like, you know, okay, I was an intern, but I would like to stick around, you know, like I want to, you, you know, have, you know, college students or in this case, uh, um, yeah, being in the message, I was like, well, how do I get to stick around since? Because she was basically telling me, well, the internship's only for a year or basically a season. The season's over. You know, we're starting a new cycle. Um, well, technically, you're done here. But then when I, and then she assumed that I was, you know, busy doing something else. And then when I explained to her, like, well, no, I'm open to whatever. She said, well, uh, you know what? Let me talk to Yeri. And I was like, okay, well, fine, good. Even though, yeah, there was a bit of, well, uh, that's gonna be different because <laughs> I remember you, uh, you had Corey and uh, I don't know who else. And, Hesa, and, uh, don't you remember Hisa? Hey, the dynamics? Oh yeah, Hisa too. Yeah, and, my uh, man Hisa. Yeah. So, but you know, knowing how you know, the, the, seeing that dynamic between the two of you. I feel like, well, that's definitely going to be different, you know, with them being, you know, Latino and uh, or Latinas and, uh, and women were not. But, um, but yeah, so once that got rolling, nails like, well, the one thing I will call you on it, even though you relaxed that role towards the, towards the end of it, was you telling me, oh, yeah, by the way, my staff wears a uh, suit and tie for game days. I'm like, oh, crap, really? <laughs> like, do I have to? Of course, I didn't say anything at the time, but I was like, okay. It's like, do I have to wear a, a tie for the game? And, yeah, and you got to wear a freaking tie.
0: And do we want to really get into all that? Because we're going to talk about, you know, in the last few minutes, talk about your friend who was on the no-fly list, too. Yeah. Uh, well, I explained that.
1: And, and actually, she's, well, she's doing well also, too. She, uh, she's uh, actually up uh, near you, I think, somewhere. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, I think it's Oregon that she's around uh, last i saw somewhere something about you know recently things she posted but um but yeah no i mean I, I, eventually i told you well i get why you you know you have this rule because we will see this uh, i remember seeing this particular reporter from i don't remember which uh, media outlet in the bay area who is one time one game just showed up in these random jeans and this <laughs> washed up shirt like the you know over shirt that was so loose that and kind of like oh dear like, real? Uh, yeah, well, no, I get it. I mean, no, probably not to the extreme of the student type, but yeah, it's coming, mean, like, you know, because um, uh, the last few years that I, for the last few games, seasons that I went out there, I will just wear, uh, well, depending the time of game game time, uh, Apollo or a uh, or this sweater that I got that had the team, name know, whatever, that it was actually many people. Oh, uh, The one I worked to one of the games in Mexico City. But, um, and figure you go, okay, this covers everything, but, uh, but yeah, I remember that first season, like, Oh, I need to pull the, the, the suit and tie for game days. <laughs> no, it, I wasn't a trail at the beginning per se, but, um, I looked yeah, at it then, this you
0: know, way, Sal, we, we don't make widgets, right? We, we had to put ourselves out there. Right. So. Um, we had to present ourselves in the best way possible. So suit and tie was the way to go. And I didn't like how other folks were wearing like, uh, uh, like polo shirts or whatever. Um, so I, uh, I, you know, it was, you know, I didn't start off that way. My first game at the, at the St. Louis Rams, my first preseason game, I'm in jeans and a polo shirt on on game day like a yutz so you know when i started looking at how other people were dressing on game day and that kind of thing it was like yeah, suit and tie is the way to go because what's my product on game day me right so that's why i required everybody who worked for me uh males to wear suit and tie females to wear wear a skirt or pantsuit um you know, because because you had to be professional, and, and you're you're there mixing with media, national television, and all this other stuff, um, and it's it's the way it goes, uh, and that mm-hmm. you know, and we had to have a high standard, so people were looking at us. But you know, Sal, I got to get down to visit you in Tijuana at some point. I know I promised years ago, and I've not taken you up on it. I got to do that. You got to get up here to Seattle and in the Pacific Northwest and check stuff out uh, up here and come visit. Uh, either way. Uh, It's been great having you on the show. It's been a lot of fun uh, talking about all this stuff and reminiscing and and talking about all our adventures together. And uh, hopefully uh, in the very, very near future, we can have some more adventures and uh, go to more spots and and immerse ourselves in whatever culture, wherever we happen to be.
1: Well, yeah, like I told you, we have a melting pot down here um, because we have many uh, recently Haitians. And, of course, we have had some – Ukrainians and Russians coming over, fleeing the conflict, uh, trying to get uh, through to to the U.S. Uh, with asylum. But uh, but then again, you also have all these different uh, people from all over the country that that yeah. So from me, it's a good starting point. But but yeah, definitely looking to going back to Mexico, Mexico City and everything that's around it down there and And you know there's there's, there's plenty 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 um, and sure enough uh, we, we'll be able to reconnect in that sense.
0: yeah um, yeah, and uh, you know discover more beer, more uh, more tequila and more whiskey and and obviously more stories to be uh, be told after all these adventures Sal, I really appreciate you coming on the show. That's going to do it for this edition of the Get the Knack podcast. For my good friend, mi amigo Sal Flores, I have been Jerry Knack. We'll talk to you next week. Aaron Chapman will be back as the guest and we're going to be talking all kinds of stuff about horror movies, horror stories, and that kind of thing. And then at the same time that night, I'm going to be taping, taping, recording another episode of her YouTube show, Morbid Planet, talking about my favorite movie on her segment called Virgin's Views, my favorite movie of all time, King Kong, 1933, Fay Ray, Robert Armstrong, Bruce Cabot. We're going to talk about that and she's going to watch that film all the way through for the first time. We're going to discuss it. Be sure to check her out on, on YouTube search morbid planet. Her most recent episode was about Captain Kronos vampire hunter, the hammer horror film from 1974. Anyway, like I said, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll talk to you next week. I have been Jerry Knack for South Flores. Have a great weekend, everybody.